0: As a church, we have five values. Bible engagement, worshipful lifestyle, intentional relationships, gifted service, and gospel sharing. They represent who we are, who God has called us to be. And our desire is that they would be actual values, not just aspirational values. Now, the difference between actual values and aspirational values is the thing you say you love or want to do or be versus the thing you really do or are, like saying, I love reading, assuming that you mean reading books, but you actually spend more time reading memes on social media, or saying, I love cooking, but you actually spend more time heating up, you know, pre-made frozen dinners. The aspirational value might be like, I love people, when you actually can be a real turkey to most people. The aspirational value might be, I love my family, when actually you spend very little personal time with them week to week. We all do it. It's part of our human condition. We Aspire to one thing, but we're actually another thing. But with some attention, with some intention, with some encouragement and perchance with some accountability, we can make changes. And so when we start a new year, we think that way, don't we? We think about a reset. We think about how we want to be. We think about taking the next step. I wrote about that, and it's on my website last night, AaronHouseholder.net, if you want to go read it. But our focus today is on our first value, and that's Bible engagement. And Bible engagement, we're going to take this passage today from Psalm 119, and we've got our Scripture memory verse for the month, and the Scripture memory verse for the month is Psalm 119, verse 35. Let's say that together. Psalm one nineteen, thirty five. 35. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Psalm 119.35. Psalm 119 will also be our focus today. And if you haven't already, open your Bibles to Psalm 119. And you'll notice that there's something different about it. It's not organized like a narrative story. It's not organized with some different themes in the poetic interpretation that the psalmist is trying to tell us. But it has a unique organization. It follows the Hebrew alphabet. So you'll notice Psalm 119, your Bible probably has in it a funny little symbol that looks kind of like an X and the word Aleph. That's the letter A basically in the Hebrew alphabet. And then you look down starting in verse nine, right above that, there's what we would say Beth, but it's Beit in Hebrew. That's the letter B. So you just see every eight verses, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, hey Wa, I'm in verse 41 right now, Zion, hey Tet, and on it goes. All 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet have eight verses in uh, their stanza, and each of those verses starts with that letter. So it was a mnemonic device to help people memorizing Psalm 119 to remember it. You could memorize one stanza of eight verses, and the key would be, all of these start with Aleph, all of these start with Bet, all of these start with Dalit, Gimel, and so on and so forth. And so that's why when you read Psalm 119, it seems a little disorganized to us in English. The only organizational factor of Psalm 119, well, there's two. One is the thing I just told you alphabetically in Hebrew, but we're not Hebrews, but two is that every verse in Psalm 119 is a couplet about God's Word. So when I'm thinking to us about Bible engagement, I'm thinking, where better to start than Psalm 119? Because if we want to be a church that focuses on Bible engagement, and if the focus of our worship service is the Bible as God's revealed Word to us, as the way we want to live our life is based on God's Word, shouldn't I, as your pastor point you to Psalm 119. If you've done a Bible reading plan, you've probably slogged through it and you went, oh, how long is this chapter? Well, eight times 22 is 176, 176 verses in Psalm 119. But what we're going to do is focus on eight words, because there are eight different words that are synonyms in Psalm 119, all used to describe God's word. And each of them is used multiple times. And we're going to look at just one verse that each of those eight words are used in because we've got to move through here in just a few minutes. So the first of those eight words is law or Torah. And that is any instruction from God or the law. So it's used in two different ways. Anything God says to you and I in his word, we could say that's the law because it came from God. But we can also use it very specifically in saying the law as far as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch also referred to as the law, capital T, capital L, It's kind of like saying the church, speaking of all Christians everywhere, or the church, speaking of a specific church, Southview Baptist Church, we could say is the church. It's my church. It's our church. But this word law, Torah, is used 25 times in Psalm 119. And so what it talks about is blessings flowing from God's plan. And we want to look there in verse 1. Verse one of Psalm 119 said, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. That's referring to that general sense of the law. In other words, if you follow God's word, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blameless. Let's ask that question. How well do I walk in? In God's ways. If I'm following God's plans. How well do I walk in God's ways? Well. It depends. We know we're not blameless. We know we're not sinless. We know we struggle. And so we're not 100% perfect. We're not 100% blameless. Which begs the question for each and every one of us. And that question is. Is. Where do I need to confess? Where do I need to repent and turn from my sin? And with the spirit of new years and a new start in my mind, where do I need to change? What's the next right step? Related to God's word that he's revealed to me, that is the law that I should live by. That Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, we know we're not blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. So we seek to live according to God's word in order that God might be able to bless us according to his word. Hmm. Let's move on with our second of our eight words in Psalm 119. The second word used to describe God's word is debar, and it means any word that comes from God. It literally means word, right? So any word that comes from God, any direction, any command, any precept, any question, any poem, anything that comes from God. Now, sometimes in popular culture, we might say, word, you know, I'm not that cool. I can't say it right, you know, but you've heard people say it. You've seen it on movies and TV. Maybe you've even said it or somebody younger than you has said it. And it really means, like, I agree with that truth. It means, wow, it might be disbelief or amazement in the way we use that term word. And uh, I didn't go to UrbanDictionary.com to look it up. I'm just doing that on my own, right? But Psalm one nineteen one o five 105 uses that word, Dabar, word. Even though that word is used 24 times in Psalm 119, we're just going to focus on verse 105. And verse 105 says to us, it says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, your debar, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When's the last time you've been in the dark and you needed some light? Now, if you're in your own home and it's dark, you probably know the way around. And if you're smart, you don't leave things laying on your floor that you might trip on or stub your toe on or things like that. And you can make it through. But if you're somewhere you don't know, Like, have you ever been in the basement of our church? The basement of our church where our teenagers hang out, we call the deep because it's the basement, right? It's like, if you don't know where the light switches are, it's dark down there, especially and you're like, well, how do we turn? I'm going to run into something, but not just the basement of our church. So much more important than that is God's word for our life. So that leads us to that question that God's word lights my way or that point That God's word lights my way. And then the question, where do I need God's direction? In your life right now, with everything that's going on, with all the things that are ahead of you, and if you've done any thinking about New Year's resolutions or change or something like that, you're like, I've got all these things I could and should do differently. Well, how do you know which one you should focus on? How do you know where you should put your attention? How do you know where you should have put your affection? Have you thought about asking God to reveal it to you in his word? He says he will, that he will be a lamp and a light. He will show us the way. Maybe you're thinking about things like spiritual things. You'd like to pray more. You'd like to engage Bible more. You'd like to. Practice other spiritual disciplines more. You'd like to be in a mentoring relationship with someone where you're making a disciple or they're helping you to become more like Christ. Maybe it's an emotional thing that you need to put up boundaries with someone or some group of someone's, and keep those boundaries. Maybe it's forgiveness when it comes to relationships. Maybe it's some new start you need to let go of the past and move forward. Maybe there's a physical something that you're thinking about needing God's direction on. We think about weight loss or going to the gym or stopping smoking or eating better or any of those sort of things because we know God's given us this body. We've got to take care of it. But any of it, you can turn to God's word for direction. Any of it, you can ask God and he'll reveal to you. And he may not say, you know, go to this gym or go to that gym. But there's something in God's word that will give you direction to help you know what he's called you to do. Let's move on to our third word. Our third word is law or laws. Now, that's misfatim, and that's cases or legal decisions by God. And it's used 23 times in Psalm 119 out of the 126 verses. And it's most often referred to, like we would, of case law or legal decisions. But most specifically, those case law or legal decisions applied by God. You know, we hear about laws that we get laws that our legislature makes, but there are also laws that are based on how judges have interpreted things. And either of these becomes the law of our land. This law is the same way by the bench or by decree that God gives it. And so we look at verse 29 to see this word used as our sample. In verse 29, when we're looking at the word misfatim, it says, Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. The psalmist is talking about two different things, two opposed things. On his own, he knows he's up to deceitful ways, but he's asking God to keep him from those deceitful ways in order that Instead, God would be gracious to him through his law. Have you ever thought about God's word that way? That you can say to God, God, I know in my heart I'm deceitful and I'm sinful. I know on my own I stray and I wander. But God, through your word, would you be gracious to me through your word that I would keep your word? What an amazing prayer. Your points of application there on our third word is that God's word guards righteousness. It helps us stay righteous. You read other scriptures along those same lines in Psalm 119, and frankly, we're building a case in the way I put our scriptures together this morning. But then you've got a question, and that is, how am I experiencing God's grace right now? If God's word guards us from unrighteousness, that keeps us moving towards righteousness, that's God's grace. And I really want you to take just a second here and count your blessings and say, how is it that you see God's grace in your life right now? What a great question to consider starting the new year as we take account of what we're going on, a thankful list, if you will. When's the last time you wrote one? You wrote a list of your blessings. Maybe you did something like that on Thanksgiving this year. Even if you did, you can do it again. And make a list of things that God has blessed you with. Make a list of things that you are thankful for. Some people, some circumstances, even the negative things, even the hard things, even the difficult things, God can use for His good because He's God. Let's move on to our fourth word. Your fourth word is edut or edot. And that means covenants with God and Israel. It's used one time in the singular tense in Psalm 119, but all the other times in the plural tense and 23 times totally. And the word is derived from the word to witness or testify. So it's related to a testimony. And it's often synonymous with the word for covenant. And we want to focus on verse 24 as our key verse when we look at that word statutes, statutes, statutes. It says, your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. Now, you may not hear the word in our modern day and time, statutes, unless you're dealing with something legal. It's kind of a legal word. It's not a word that in common conversation we use, our lawyer friends and our folks at the legislature might refer to statutes, but folks regularly that like us, we don't talk about statutes very often, but it's a word used in God's word to describe God's word. So it says your statutes, that is covenants with God in Israel, are my delight. They are my counselors. In other words, I delight in God's word. It counsels me. Your first point there under your fourth thing is that we're advised by God's word. God's word, his covenants, his statutes advise me. They tell me the way to live. Then we've got your question four point two. How double bring me joy? We've shifted a little bit between four point one and four point two. Four point one is they advise me. Four point two is they give me joy. Why is that? Go back to your verse, verse twenty four. He says, "Your statutes are my delight. They're my counselors." God desires through His Word to bring you joy. God desires through His Word to have you know what He wants, to have you follow His direction. And because you are seeking righteousness, because you are seeking obedience, you will be blessed and you will have joy versus doing things your own way and being deceitful and sinful and unrighteous and being challenged with all sorts of negative circumstances related to your situation. What brings you joy? Your family? Outdoors? The hobby, hobbies? Good food? Simple things? All kinds of things might give us joy. But God desires that his word would give us joy as we follow him. Let's move on to our fifth word. And that's commands. The misvah or the misvat. And that is anything ordered by God. Anything ordered by God. Well, sure enough, God tells us a few things to do, right? I mean, there's just a few things we should do and a few things we shouldn't do written in this big old book, the Bible, that you could study your whole life and not know everything about it. I'll never forget the first time I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. I was still an undergrad, and they took us on a tour of the seminary as Bible students, undergrad Bible students, because, hey, you might go here someday. And. I had seen libraries before, but I had never seen a library this big before. A library so big that when, you know, the, the first floor has all sorts of things and it's kind of broken up. You walk by the building and you see how it's big. But the second floor you go up on and there are stacks of books as long as a football field. And they didn't have any on the lower two shelves yet. And so you could get down and look and you could see little teeny legs way down on the other end there. I think that's somebody over there. And if you were tall enough, they didn't have any books on the top shelves either because they were leaving room to grow. I mean, it's a library. It should have room to grow, right? Buildings are expensive. And you could peek through and see people way down there. But this library at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, the size of a football field that building was, was the world's, at the time, I think it still is, largest theological library. All the books in that library were devoted to the study of Christian theology and the Bible. This was not a library where you'd find a novel. This was not a library where you'd find your everyday newspaper or magazine or DVD. All of them. And I stood in that library and I peeked over the books this way and I peeked down through the books that way. And I walked the length of it, walked the length of it, walked the length of it. And I was overwhelmed and I thought, and I'm coming here to study this stuff Oh, heaven, help me. God gives us lots of orders. God gives us lots of commands, and He calls us to do that in obedience to Him. Let's look at verse 32. Verse 32 in Psalm 119 says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Whoa! Whoa! Rather than being intimidated by a library that big, rather than being intimidated by a Bible this big, what does God's word say to us about these commands? Well, that word's used 22 times, but it says here specifically in verse 32 that when I run in the path of your commands, you've set my heart free. Or in this version, you've broadened my understanding. I love that NIV 84 that I'm reading, set my heart free. That's about following God's path. That's 5.1 on your outline. Following God's path. And it leads to the question on 5.2 what freedom do I receive from God's word? What freedom do I receive from God's word? How has it broadened my horizons? How has God's word set my heart free? Do you have joy in reading the Bible? Joy that comes from knowing that God's in control. Joy that comes from knowing that God's going to give you direction. Joy that comes from knowing that God loves you. Joy that comes from God, the sovereign God of the whole universe, choosing to reveal himself to you and have a personal love relationship that God's word is the basis of that interaction. Wow. Let's move on to number six on your outline. That's the word decrees, decrees is hukim, and that's anything revealing God's sovereignty. Anything revealing God's sovereignty. So that's a broad term, but it's specific to sovereignty. And we look at verse 71, Psalm 119, 71. Even though this word is used 22 times in Psalm 119, we're going to look at this one. And it's a noun that's derived from the root to engrave or inscribe. We've just had Christmas time, maybe you got something that was engraved or inscribed with your name or your initials or a message. Those sort of special gifts we give people at times. But that's where this word decrees comes from. And verse 71 there, what's it say? It says it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Time out, Mr. Psalmist. You mean it's good for me to have pain? When do you learn best? When things are easy and going your way, or when things are difficult and you're challenged. Most of us, it's the latter. And God knows that in our pain, He's more likely to have our attention. And more, we are more likely to be engaged in a process of growth and of faith and independence on Him. And if you read the Bible from Genesis to Maps... That's what God is after. God is after a personal love relationship with us in which we pursue him as he pursues us. He initiated the relationship. He sustains the relationship, but he calls us to himself. And most often he uses our affliction and our pain. God uses my pain, 6.1 on your outline says, and 6.2 asks you this question. How have I best learned God's word? You may answer that based on the situation of how you've best learned God's word, that in this sort of situation or that sort of situation, it's forced you or challenged you. But it may be based on your learning style. You prefer to read. You prefer to write. You prefer to sing it, act it, story it, think about it. Who knows? But God desires us to learn his decrees in order that he might bless us. Let's move on to our seventh word. Of Psalm 119, that's precepts, and that is God's orders expecting a response. So when he gives this order, he expects a response to it. That's his precepts. It's used 21 times through Psalm 119, and it's a word that's used only in the book of Psalms, so that's unique. We need to pay attention to it. It's not used elsewhere in the New Testament, and it's synonymous with the word covenant, and the root of the noun is the verb to visit or to appoint. It has a relationship between the giver and the receiver, that it's a precept that means something. We use it in our modern English as well. It's a principle. It's something that's agreed on that people go, aha, that's a precept there. Let's look at verse 15. Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Ways is another one of our words, but we're focusing on precepts. I meditate." On your precepts, 7.1 on your outline says thoughtfully living by God's word. Is your life guided by God's word so that it's always on your mind and your heart and your action? Or do you just kind of live life? It's easy to just kind of live life. That's our default setting as humans, right? Do what feels good to me. Take care of some others that I love or those that will benefit me. I mean, we're out for ourselves. That's our default sin nature. But what God calls us to is a life governed by, dictated by his word, guided by his word that we would thoughtfully live by his word, which leads to the question, what have I met, when have I meditated on a Bible verse? Now you guys know I grew up in Texas, and in Fort Worth, Texas, just east of downtown, there was a big plant that made ranch style beans. Anybody ever had ranch style beans before? Yeah. And oh, it wasn't ranch style beans. It was Wolf Brand chili, wasn't it? How long's it been since you had a bowl of Wolf Brand chili? Well, partner, that's been too long. Wolf Brand. Sorry, wrong, wrong factory. You've heard the commercial, right? You know my voice. It was like during football games in the 80s, you know, advertising for chili. How long has it been since you meditated on God's word is my question, however, whether I mess up the story and you don't know it or not. How long has it been since you meditated on a Bible verse when you wrote one down yourself or you put it on your lock screen or you stuck it on a post-it note and stuck it on your mirror or on your dashboard of your car and You meditated on it or sat there with your Bible and sat there maybe with the journal and you wrote it and you thought about it word for word and you prayed it back and forth and you studied it in such a way that God could really drive it down deep in your life. Let's move to our eighth and final word, and that's precepts, excuse me, promises, promises. Imrah, that's anything spoken or promised. By God. Anything that God speaks, we could say is his promise. But specifically those things that he promises are promises. I know I used a word to define a word. Nineteen times in Psalm 119, this word, Nimrah, is used. Let's focus then on verse 116 to see where it's used. It says, sustain me according to your promise and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. I'd be fooling myself this morning if I would say that there were some of us here in this room or some of us online that don't have things that are really weighing us down and burdening us. With a loved one. Maybe with your finances. Maybe with your health. We need a verse like 116. Don't let my hopes be dashed. Sustain me according to your promises and your will, God. Maybe that's a verse you need to write down. Maybe that's a verse you need to memorize. Maybe that's a verse you need to meditate on and hide it deep in your heart. That God would carry you through, even wouldn't let your hopes be dashed. 8.1 in your outline says it's about depending on God. Depending on him, and we need to depend on him most when things are the worst. And 8.2 on your outline, ask the question, how has God carried me? He has. When's the last time you named it? I asked you earlier about a thankful list. Maybe some of the things you can be thankful for is when you know God has carried you through. If you think about it, thank him, praise him, give him glory because he sustained you. He's carried you. He's given you Hope. As we conclude today, you've got our statement on Bible engagement, which I'm not going to read to you. You can read for yourself. That's our value statement. But here's your application, your homework, if you will a Bible reading plan. We've talked about Bible engagement is one of our values, and I wonder if you don't engage the Bible regularly already, would you? And would you start that even today? Not say, oh, I went to church, I engaged the Bible. No! Go home and do it on your own. And if you don't have a Bible reading plan, here's the easy way to do it. You've got a computer or a smartphone, right? Google. Google Bible reading plan. If you Google Bible reading plan, you're going to come up with a whole host of Christian websites. And my favorite one was from Ligonier Ministries from R.C. Sproul. And you click that one and he's got then listed or his ministry's got listed about a dozen different Bible reading plans with a description of the plan. And you can click it and it's something that you can print out. Some of them are online. But the other one, of course, is, you know, on your tablet, on your phone. If you've got UVersion, the Bible app, have you clicked the little link on there that says plans? So I'm going to go to the YouVersion app and right down there in the middle, right above my button, it says plans. And if I click plans there, look at the top, then it has a thing called find plans. And it's got all sorts of plans with lovely little pictures. But also there's a search and I could search for a plan based on a topic I'm interested in, based on a length of a plan. I only want a plan that lasts seven days because I'm not signing up for a year yet. I'm not sure I can do it. I want a plan that lasts a month because I think I can go a month. I want a plan that I read five days a week instead of seven days a week because I know I'm going to miss a few because life is busy and I won't want to get discouraged. By the way, all their plans have a little button on them called Catch Me Up. If you get behind. It's available to us. Of course, the other thing you can do is just pick up your Bible and start reading. However you want to, you can do it. God's given us his word as a guide. He's called us to use it, to be in love relationship with him. It's a value for our church because it is. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're so very blessed that you've given us your word. And you've given us so many ways that we can read it and engage it. My word on the YouVersion Bible app and others, that will even read it to us. We don't need to go spend money on CDs. We can just listen to it on the Internet, on our phone our computer. We can read it. We can hear it. But God, my prayer is that we would. That we would as we begin this new year and as we think about our values as a church and think about who you've called us to be as individual Christ followers, that we would engage your word regularly. If not daily. Almost daily, four or five times a week, we'd read it, we'd hear it. And your word by your Holy Spirit would speak to us and change us. So, God, for those of us that are believers in Jesus that are here this morning, listening online or in this room. If there's something we need to confess or repent of today, we do that. If there's a commitment we need to make today, may we do that. And if it's revolving around your word, may we do that. So that you can use your word to make us more like Jesus and to show us how much you love us. And God, if there's anyone here today or hearing my voice that has never trusted Jesus as their Savior, maybe they'd make that decision today, too, and let us know. We thank you, God, for your presence among us. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.